Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you work anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Today, we welcome special guest Brian Burns, the host of the Brutal Truth About Sales and Selling podcast, among many others. Kevin and Brian discuss the complex sale in terms of the government market. This is an important concept for both our government and industry listeners. This episode is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition. Becoming a Skyway community member makes it easier to navigate the complicated world of government contracting because you gain context from Skyway's team of former contracting officers. Go to skywaymember.com to get started with a personal membership because without context, you're likely missing opportunities that you don't see. Okay, let's get started with Kevin and Brian Burns and the complex sale. All right, so thanks, Brian, for jumping on the podcast. Uh, I really appreciate you giving the perspective of the complex sale. And, and this is a kind of a unique one because you know, your, your background, you sold to the government, but you also do training on how the complex sale works, right? So before we get into that, give me some background on you know, what you sold to the government and what agencies, et cetera. Like, give us your story. Yeah, sure. So I spent about 25 years of my career selling to the government, uh, not exclusively, but I'd say about half, starting with the air traffic control system back in the late 80s, uh, all the way through several signal intelligence applications up at NSA, through you know, probably DIA, mostly in the intelligence community, Army, the FBI's fingerprint application. And I, I did super high-tech stuff, software. Uh, security devices, high-priced items. It was very challenging sales. It was not commodities. It was not materials. It was technology. And and how long? How long? You said about half of your career you were doing this. Uh, it was pretty much my whole career, but I also did geography for commercial as well. So I sold to AT and T, uh, several banks, telecom, all over the country. Wow. Okay. So you're very familiar with, with the, the federal sales process. It, it's a really cool concept to have you talk through this because a lot of folks on the podcast don't understand the, the complexity of selling large things to the government, particularly when it's new technology. But first, I want to say stop and say thanks. Thanks for this week is to Leslie Vick. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And April Peters from Cairo Force. Uh, Cairo Force is a, a veteran-owned and actually women-owned small business. They're based out of Los Angeles, and they provide on-site and mobile chiropractic care. It's a niche. So points for them for nailing their niche. And I want to say thanks to them for great feedback on the podcast. They helped me understand how they use the content and, and how we're helping small companies and innovative companies just like theirs. And by the way, kudos to, to them for binge listening over 200 episodes of the podcast. That's, that's, a, that's a lot of content to consume. All right, back to why Brian's here. We talk about the, the complex sale. Uh, Paul and I did an episode specifically about the complex sale a couple of weeks ago. And I learned that concept from listening to Brian's podcast. And the definition of the complex sale is, in simple terms, it, it includes more than one person. There's more than one person involved. There's more than one player. They care about different things, et cetera. And the government's kind of a great example of this because of all the procurement steps. And, and, and I think you talked about this, Brian, this concept of they just won't reduce the risk of buying the wrong thing. And you know this probably better than I do. Most salespeople, even on the federal side, do not understand this. They, they assume that their champion on the program side knows how to get things done. But typically, people avoid it because it's hard. And there's a different language. It appears bureaucratic. There is a process to it. But 
it's not as automated as the commercial side where you can just bring it up in a browser and see the status of it or who owns it, what stage is it in. All of that stuff, it's kind of opaque. And to most people, it appears as a black box. And if you think of it as a black box, then you have no real influence over it. And all of a sudden, your deal just disappears for three to six months. And you don't know if it's still alive or not. Yeah, and this is even more complex, I guess we'll say it, because we're spending public money. Because now you have even more players who want a choice in this. Because on the, on the industry side, because now I'm, I'm selling to small and mid-sized companies and, and some large businesses, some of the larger businesses, they, this is not a unique process to the government. It, it can take, in one case, four months to go from yes, from the technical sale, which we'll talk about in a few minutes, all the way through closing the business sale. It took me four months. And so now I kind of know what it feels like from, from the industry side of how long it took me sometimes to get the deal done as a contracting officer. Did you deal with that a lot? All the time. And this is another part of the complex sale that so few people understand because people think, well, I fill out a purchase request. How long can it possibly take to be issued? And, and even on the, the commercial side where the procurement officer rep gets a whole month from the time that they get it to the time they have to issue it. And you're like, well, wait a second. You know, it expires or is going to expire, I gave them a discount. The CEO promised it to me. And even sometimes the CEOs of these companies do not understand how long it can take. Every step along the way, each person wants what I call the pound of flesh. You know, they want a concession of some kind for them to do something. If you don't understand this, your whole strategy kind of falls apart or delays to the point of annoyance. So, and people say, well, I just ask my end user what the process, they don't know. You know, I, I've worked at 12 companies in my life. I had no idea how they make purchase decisions, nor how to, other than me pulling out a company credit card. That's all I knew. Yeah. There have been situations where the, I'll be talking to a prospect and they'll say, Hey, I sold the government on this idea. And they went and the <laughs> user said, yes, I want this. And they said, okay, let's get the contract in place. And then the government person says to the salesperson, well, I thought you knew. So they know the technical sale, but they don't know yes. the other side. They don't know the business. Yeah. And so and it's tr- that is very, the same is true with any medium to large size company. Anything smaller than, you know, an SMB, small and mid-sized company, you're going to run into this because the company does not want people spending money. They want them making money. So there's no class on how to spend the company's money. And it's funny, ironically, there, there are some classes on how to spend the government's money. There's an entire industry. Yeah, yeah for, for very certain people. Yeah, yeah but that, that's the point is it's only for, you know, a small sliver of people take those classes. And so we, we mentioned a couple of terms there, the technical sale and the business sale. And I got this concept from listening to your podcast. And the technical sale, in short, is that that's the user. That's the, the person at the end who wants the software, who wants the solution. And then the business sale is the economic decider, the contracting officer, the finance people, the program manager who has to marshal it through the acquisition process. Well, that's it. The business is super important to do both. And too many people think they can get away with one. Oh, I've got this amazing product. It's the only product in the world that does what they want. Or you got the top-down person who goes, hey, I know Colonel Sanders or <laughs> DHS, <laughs> whatever. And, you know, I can go golfing with him and I can convince him. No, the bigger the organization, the bigger the deal, the more people are getting involved. There's all kinds of 
boxes that need to be checked. We talk about when these RFPs come out. If an RFP came out, somebody is driving that internally. And it might be a sales rep. It might be a, you know, a maverick within the agency or a system integrator who really wants to make change. And that goes out to all your competitors and they look at it and they're like, that's the wake up call that we're losing a deal. We're losing an account. So if you don't do both, bad things are going to happen. Do you have to do both? You know, there's a bunch of ways to play the game, but if you're not playing the whole game, something's probably going to fall apart. Yeah. And starting with a technical sale of understanding they need that, that the product or service that you provide, but ignoring the business sale or, or waiting till the end. And, and you know, the example I use is that somebody convinced this, this program manager, he needed this product and then he brings it to me. And because of the circumstances behind it, I can't award it in the way that he wants it, which cost him it, some cases, a couple of months. In one case, I literally couldn't award the contract. It wasn't even legal because it was owned by a, a foreign company, but it, he doesn't know that because he didn't go to the classes. <laughs> so that business sales side of it, you, you can't blow that off until the end. It's deadly because there are all kinds of things. And the, if the contracting officer goes back to the requester and says, hey, have you checked out this company? We, they're on our contract vehicle. That person may start go checking out that company. And if it's even 80% of what you have, they'll probably go with it. That's the path of least resistance because as a contracting officer, that, that's the business sale to me. Is I want to get this awarded and support my customer. I'm going to find the easiest, quote unquote, way to do that. Easiest and legal. So that's the path of least resistance. Let me apply these to the acquisition time zones. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, episode, episode number three talks through the acquisition time zones. The, the concept of the, the technical sale versus the, the business sale in the requirement zone where the government is deciding what are we going to buy? What is it actually going to be? What is it going to do, et cetera? That's going to be more of the technical sale because the contracting officer isn't in the room yet. The, the business side, like how much it's going to cost, that's not really on the radar yet, right? Then in the market research zone, okay, now you're still dealing with a technical sale. Now you're, you're talking to industry, you're trying to get some perspective, but now the contracting officer is involved. Now the business sale applies. And people wait until the next zone, the RFP zone, before they have really introduced the idea of the business sale. And, and kind of to your point, now it's too late. Now you're behind because somebody else shaped this. Somebody else has influenced it through the process. And the RFP zone, one of the key features is that only the contracting officer can talk to industry. Well, that's a huge disadvantage from people who are talking to everybody back in the market research zone. So to your point, which is why I love the simplicity of your concept of the technical and the business sale, you got to manage both of those throughout this process versus trying to do them. If you stack them, then you end up worse off. So why is this important? Why, you know, why, why is this worth spending a whole podcast to talk about? Well, in short, the thing that jumps out to me is that if you're not selling things as an as a industry, you're not making money, which means you're going out of business. So that's, that's the focus, right? You got to be able to close the business. But not all sales are created equal because if, if you're bringing in business that's not a fit for your organization or you can't actually get a contract for because you didn't manage both sides of it, you're worse off. You're an interesting guest, particularly because you've sold both on the government side and on the, the private sector. The concepts of the technical and the business sale, do they apply more on the government side versus industry side? I think it does. Uh, let me give you an example. Uh, one of the first programs I worked on was uh, the redesign of the air traffic control system. It was won by, at the time, IBM Federal Systems. 
Now, IBM had a culture of we bid IBM hardware, we only deliver IBM hardware. And we weren't, we were selling rational hardware at the time. So basically what I did is I went to the FAA, the, the sponsor, the government, who paid for this $4 billion contract for the air traffic control system and explained what we did. I showed them the man-machine interface that you see air traffic controllers use. All the software was running on rational hardware, okay? And IBM was like, no, 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 we can port it over to IBM hardware. And I explained it compiles at... 10 lines an hour. It would take a year to build. You cannot. <laughs> and the program manager was like, you're kidding me. You know, here I am, this vendor explaining to him how to get his program done. And IBM was, you know, trying to resist and I was working with them, but they wanted to keep the contract. So we did this $35 million deal with IBM through the FAA. Now, if I just went to IBM, they, they would buy a couple. they buy a million, two million. If you go to the government and you solve a problem for them, they understand it. Because to them, a pile of money, how they spend it, they want to spend it in the most effective way possible. The contractor wants to get as much of that pile as they can. So if you don't understand both sides of it, and you know the government didn't end up issuing us an order, they issued IBM an order. So we got a $35 million order. IBM invests in Rational. They buy Rational 10 years later for $3.5 billion. So this is the, the level of complexity that you're at with the government. And okay, if you're under 10K, you can put on a credit card or whatever. There's all kinds of limits but if you're really selling something, you know, 100K, a couple hundred K, you've got to understand all the elements. We just assume, hey, they told me it's going to happen or they told me they can get it done. And then, of course, the program manager comes to me as a contenting officer and says, OK, let's get this awarded. And I look at it and go, yeah, that, I can't award it that way. And I have to go down a different path. And, and what I like about that story is, okay, yeah, the, the numbers are enormous, but the principle is still there. Is it, You need to figure out what is the technical sale and then how does the business sale work? How does this integrate with what the government is actually buying and how yeah. they're buying it? They're two different things. Because people got to understand that contracting officers don't sit around the cafeteria table deciding what to buy without anyone requesting it. <laughs> yeah, we don't have our own money. <laughs> I had somebody say, well, should I go to the contracting officer first? And I said, well, until there's a requirement, the contracting officer doesn't really have anything to do. That's, yeah, that's the clear misunderstanding that the salesperson still has to drive the need, the requirement with the people who would use it, the technical sale. But the people who are going to give you the piece of paper and the check are the people that are very critical too, because they're incentivized to go with the easiest, not necessarily the one that is requested. And that they can view the world very easily like a commodity. Everyone wants to make everyone else a commodity. That's a, that's a big statement. We'll save that concept. I love that statement. We'll save that for another podcast. So let's go back to the, from the contenting officer's perspective, you know, why does the government care about this? And so 30% of our listeners are COs. In the event they were curious enough to listen to this whole episode and try to understand this, this technical sales side as, as the buyer. When I was a contracting officer, my customer, they were the technical sale. 
And then I'm as the contracting officer, I'm the business sale. I didn't see it that way. I just assumed that was part of this journey, right? And to be able to break into those two pieces and understand the difference, that's why this is such valuable information, even for the government side. Because if your customer knows the difference between the pieces of the journey that are the technical sale and the pieces that are the business sale, that means they're bringing the right information to you. They're asking questions at the right time. They're introducing you to the vendor before they ask for a, they hand you a purchase request and say, go buy this. The conversation starts much further upstream when your customer understands that you are being the government CEO's customer, understands the difference between those. So, did you, so Brian, did you see a lot of folks that would bring the CEO in as part of the technical sale or do they always kind of wait till the end and, and just drop it uh, Unfortunately, they waited too long. And I think too often, and it's too easy for the contracting officer to not understand how much effort went into that requisite, that recommendation, that quote that they're given. You know, they spent probably three, maybe six months evaluating products. They do a lot of due diligence. I think much more than commercial. Commercial, you may have somebody who just have a preference for this brand or that brand, and they might do a two-week or a four-week evaluation. But the system integrators in the government, they, they really dig in. So if you get a recommendation for a product and you push back, they're probably getting a product that doesn't match their real requirements and be sensitive to that. And there's re- repercussions of that. Yeah, it's interesting. I never thought of it. The, the, the amount of time that the, that the and again, I go back to my customer, the user, the amount of time they put into qualifying all the vendors that they're going to recommend is going to be more time than they potentially would do in the commercial industry just because there aren't a whole bunch of laws behind it having to be fair. The competition doesn't have to be fair in the private sector. Yeah, and, and their name and their career is on the line. And it's typically a lot of money and they're the ones that are, uh, own the implementation of it and the end effectiveness of it. They're not going to be able to blame the contracting officer. It's their job. <laughs> exactly. So this, is, so this is a good segue to, you know, why does industry care? If industry manages these two processes separately and they, they ignore the, the business sale, and they only focus on the technics, technical sale, then we end up with a lot of frustration, which is the kind of stuff we're talking about. Did you see that with a lot of the, the business development folks? And now we're on back on the industry side. Again, one of the reasons your podcast is so popular is a lot of people don't understand this concept, which is, again, they, they've, I've picked up from you. So do you, did you see a lot of that? Like this is, this is a continuing problem? All the time. This, this is why I loved competing in the federal space because I could basically go to the agency. I could explain what we did and why we're better. And then I go to all the bidders on a, you know, a procurement and they'd all bid our product. And once I had everyone bidding us and the agency bought in and we were on the contract vehicle that they liked, it would go reasonably smoothly. <laughs> <laughs> and in a lot of times they would allow the system integrator to make the purchase. And as long as the contracting it fit into the contract that the system integrator had, I competed against people who didn't understand this. And I would work with people who didn't understand this. And I I think I lucked out in that my first job was at a company where the manager really got this. He was a career federal sales guy, and he understood the process, and he worked it and kind of educated all of us on it. So it wasn't like I had a lot of trial and error. 
and, and this is a great example of people might not know that there is a business sale. In other words, like you just talked about, people that to this day, this is this is a concept that seems new, but those who knew it are, are, have just kind of kept it to themselves for the most part because it's a competitive advantage, right? And so we we on the government side, you get frustrated when you realize they, they don't treat the contracting officer and the, the acquisition team and all those folks as part of the process. It's because they probably don't see them as part of the process. They think it's two different steps or they think it's one big technical sale. Yeah, everybody kind of views the world from their perspective. They think they can fill out a purchase request and it's going to get implemented or executed. Uh, it may take long, but they don't understand what the contracting officer is up against. Colors of money, contracting vehicles, regulations, uh, manufacturers you know, in different countries, ownership of the companies, what kind of software is in it, open source, all of this stuff that the end user is never really educated on. And because the end user, it, they have their own things they care about. And that's part of what makes the complex sale so interesting is that each person in the complex sale cares about different things. Like we talked about you know, probably 10 minutes ago, the contracting officer, I'm risk averse. I'm not incentivized at all to make this go faster. I'm only right. punished if it's done wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm exactly. I'm de-incentivized to make it go faster because somebody's going to think I skipped a step. And if it goes wrong, you're blamed. So you you want to cross every T and dot every I. Oh well, we we could we could go on for hours on this. Then that's why I was glad to have you on there. I, I suspect this won't be the last time. I think we'll get a lot of feedback from this. And so my my big takeaway here is if both sides know the difference and and the steps, honestly, in a technical sale versus the business sale. That's going to improve communication. And, and Paul and I talk about communication being the key to making government contracting work better well, on one contract at a time because you're going to get better solutions, you're going to get better targeting, and the customer is going to get a better product because if we understand the difference between these two pieces, then we don't try to mush them together. We don't try to se separate them too far. In other words, they happen you know, months apart. And then in the end, everybody's frustrated. And so the value of understanding the technical sale and the business sale separately from both buyer and seller perspective is huge. Definitely. It's critical. And, and if you don't, it, what you end up going to do is wait and lose. Or, you know, when you get these requests and you, ha you don't have the technical sale, you're, you're just a competitive bid. And, yeah. and honestly, it, you could bid one penny. You could say, I'll pay you a million dollars to buy my product. You won't get awarded. It's, and I, I've seen this too many times. So many of my a clients that I consult with, they go, oh, there's an RFP out for this. I go, have you been involved at all? Do you, did they know you? No, we just saw this on some website. And do you understand, unless it's a commodity, unless you know, you're selling dirt and they're buying per pound, they're not, you're not going to win. And you had mentioned before that everybody wants to commoditize everybody else. And so if that RFP comes out, even if it's for something complicated, the expectation is anybody who just submits a proposal, they're going to be seen as a commodity provider, even though it's not a commodity product. Yeah. And, and that's what you're required to do. Is you, you put it out for competition because you have to document that you did that. And then the selection is made off of some criteria that, that's not public, not really <laughs> talked about. And it, it takes up a lot of everyone's time. So if you're not driving the demand, you're not going to get the award. Bingo. So how do, what's the best way for people to contact you? And I know you have three different podcasts right now that they can listen to. 
Yeah, the brutal truth about sales and selling, if you are either a salesperson or you want to understand more about the complex sale, is a great podcast for that. If you just want to connect with me on LinkedIn, it's Brian G. Burns. Uh, those are probably the two best places. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you being on. And this is, this is always a fun conversation because government contracting is not simple. You're one of the few people I've met who really gets that and is able to explain it in ways that people can really grasp and understand. Thanks, Kevin. I really enjoyed being here and uh, look forward to talking to you with you again. All right. See you, Brian. Okay, that's it for this episode. Thanks to our sponsor, Skyway Acquisition. And thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. 